Hello, everybody, and welcome to Molly's Sleazy Friends. It's time for another episode of Molly's Sleazy Friends. Sleazy friends, I am Molly Lambert, and with me today again is my friend Sarah Johnson. Hi. This is a special new edition of Molly Sleazy Friends where I'm experimenting with recording it from my house. So Sarah and I are crouched around a microphone in my home, and if you hear some production quality that's maybe not as good as the production quality you're used to, um, it is just because um, I wanted to try home recording because um, I had this new computer and it was possible. So bear with us. There's an auto yard across the street. <laughs> there might be like a cat that will come in. Sarah and I were talking a lot before about the idea of doing a podcast that's just like, uh, oh, here we go. Here's a, a plane Ooh. going overhead. I think it's a helicopter. Ooh, helicopter. See, so you're really in you're in a sound landscape now with yeah. us. Mm-hmm. You really feel like you're in the room with us. Yeah, it's like ASMR, but shitty. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I saw an ASMR thing the other day that was an eight-hour roleplay video where a woman pretends to be a first-class flight attendant. For- so are there moments of silence or stretches of silence or is there like i didn't actually watch it mm-hmm. i just thought about it for a long time afterwards of like yeah. wow you know i think it's to fall asleep too and the idea is you'll be so relaxed by mm-hmm. this woman coming over and being like hey would you like mm-hmm. a hot towel would you like some some fresh champagne <laughs> So is it supposed to be, like, the duration of a flight overseas, maybe? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think it's supposed to be, like, a full a full role play. I mean, it's very, like, interesting to me that that exists. Sarah, mm-hmm. you were saying we were talking about virtual reality. Oh, yeah, because I am so tired today. And, you know, it's, it's like a cheap version of Oculus. Just augmenting your reality. Not good. But it's... Uh, it's a good place to be when you're talking about the snowman. Yeah, you know? Sarah, Sarah came over and she was like, I'm very tired. It feels like reality has is slightly different because of the feeling of being so tired. And I was like, you're right. It is like a cheap way, cheaper than drugs. Yeah. To just get really mm-hmm. tired or stay awake too long. Yeah. Um, those two things will fuck you up so bad, both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I feel like the chainsaw sound in the background is actually kind of appropriate for this movie we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the the bad movie special of Molly Sleazy Friends. Bad is in quotation marks because we also want to talk about a movie that is not actually as bad as people think it is, which is Ishtar. Yeah, Ishtar is great. Ishtar is great. If you um, think it's bad, it's probably because you've listened to popular opinion and groupthink. Well, I have lots of opinions about Ishtar. <laughs> I'm very passionate we're gonna about We're going to get it. into Ishtar later. Yes. But we're also going to talk about The Snowman, mm-hmm. um, which is like an amazingly bad movie that Sarah, like genuinely bad, but interestingly bad, yeah. um, that Sarah and I both got obsessed with. And Gotti, which is a not that good bad movie mm-hmm. that people were very into talking about how bad it was. It was... A viral bad movie to watch so basically just the idea of bad movies and what it means to for a movie to be bad yeah is what we want to talk about as two cineasts <laughs> <laughs> imagine calling yourself that seriously it's like ah yes oh yeah, hello cineast. i'm a oh cahiers du podcasting is that how you pronounce it is it cahier du cinema i don't yes. know i don't speak french yes and I definitely have reader's pronunciation with any French word. So, like, for the longest time with Cahiers du Cinema, du Cinema, I would look at it and I was like, I don't think it's cashiers. <laughs> but maybe. Maybe it's cashiers du cinema. You I know. like cashiers du cinema. You were a cashier du cinema. Yeah. That is... Yeah, I worked at a theater. Yeah, you you sold the popcorn. That mm-hmm. is That is what makes... That is the cinema experience. That's why you go out to the cinema. 
yeah, I can't eat popcorn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to eat it sometimes for dinner because we would have different flavored salts you could put on it so you could vary the experience. So you're like, okay, I guess I'll put a bunch of ranch on this. Um, and you got over it from being around it so much? Yeah, and just eating it so much. And now when I go to a theater, you know, I walk by the concession stand, I'll maybe get junior mints if I don't sneak them in, but fuck popcorn. <laughs> so you think popcorn is a scam? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they charge so much for it. It's so cheap to make. But it's so good when you want it. I had it for A Star is Born, mm-hmm. and I was so happy about it. I ate it just like I ate it all like before the movie even started because I was just like what size did you get my friend Roxy and I uh got a large one and split it nice so was it like a bucket it was like a a very large a large container and we got junior mints yes love junior mints (laughs) I feel like there's no way to eat popcorn without eating too much popcorn yeah there's no like respectable amount of popcorn where you're like okay Mm -hmm. two handfuls that was good yeah you eat it till you get sick, and that's, like, the experience. <laughs> <laughs> ah, cinema. Cinema. <laughs> so, speaking of the cinema, mm-hmm. um, Sarah. Yes. How did you first see The Snowman? Uh, I first saw it on HBO Go. Um, I remember it came out, and, of course, before it came out, we all saw that campaign of, uh, wasn't it Mr. Policeman? Gave you all the clues. It was a, it was like a ransom note. Yeah. Or like a note left at the scene of a crime. Or yeah. Written, no, it was like a Zodiac letter. It was like written into the newspaper, like, or the policeman newspaper. Right. It was just like the white sheet of paper. Right. And it was a like a drawing of the fucking snowman. <laughs> Mr. Policeman, you could have saved her or them. Her. I think it was her. I gave you all the clues. Mm-hmm. And so people got obsessed with the ad campaign because it was so silly because yeah. there was this little drawing of a snowman at the bottom that was supposed to be scary, but instead was like hilarious. Yeah, it looks like a stick and poke that, you know, you would get at like 2 a.m. when you're drunk. <laughs> you're like, yeah, cool. Why hey, not? give me the snowman emoji as like a little weird <laughs> tattoo on my ankle right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, snowman. the snowman is just kind of funny. So this is like, this movie is not to be confused with the David Bowie animated The Snowman or with that movie where Michael Keaton plays a dad who becomes a snowman. Oh, Jack Frost. Jack Frost. Which is not to be confused not with the horror film Jack Frost. With the horror Jack Frost. And Jack Frost 2, which I had on DVD because <laughs> it had that lenticular cover. How are the Jack Frost movies? Um, First one's pretty gross. The second one takes place in Hawaii. I... Like He's a snowman one. in Hawaii? Yeah. Um, would you say they represent the genre of snowman horror better than the snowman? I would say so, yes. Yeah. So the snowman, the guy who directed the snowman is famous for directing Let the Right One In, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy Tink- as well. Yes. So he was like, a, a well, I don't forget his name, but... Uh, this is why I should have written it down. No. I'm like, yeah, you it's know, not- he's a... He- the Tinker Taylor it's guy. It's not necessary to know, but we were we were yeah. saying this was part of a wave of Nordic noir, as mm-hmm. it was called, that included the girl with the dragon tattoo. I want to say the movie Insomniac. Uh, Insomnia. Insomnia. Yeah, I mean that was like the original. I think it was late '90s, right? And then they had the remake yeah. in the 2000s with Al Pacino. There's a whole thing of Nordic noir that's like. The land where the sun never sets or whatever. Noir. Right. I mean, it seems like it's similar to the idea of L.A. Noir, where, like, right. you know, it's, like, bright and pristine. Or yeah. Nordic Noir. It's noir freezing, is. and everything is, like, icy. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of, like, beneath beauty is terror. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you have that with Chinatown. And yeah. then, uh... You know, with the snowman, you sort of have that. You also have lots of confusion under all that beauty. It's like noir in a non-traditional setting, but it's like instead of like the unforgiving streets of like the city, the rainy city at night, it's like the unforgiving like snowy mountains Mm -hmm. and always beating sun of 
whatever Scandinavian place yeah. it, it is set in. And everyone drives Volvos. And everyone drives Volvos. Oh, there was also that episode of Black Mirror that was like that. Oh, yeah. It's def- There's a lot of movies. There's a bunch of things that fall under this category. It's very funny to me that it's a genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess just because it's so specific. Um, I'm also just very skeptical in general of like American fetishization of like Scandinavian stuff. Right. Because it feels very close to like white power. Yeah, it's like very close to white supremacy. Just like the fetishization of it. Yeah, of like, like, oh, they figured it all out. Like they've got gender parity. And it's like, yeah, because everybody like they don't have uh, diversity. Right. Or I don't have. I don't know, guys. I don't know. All I know is these Nordic noir movies are very white in every possible sense. Mm -hmm. The people are white and everything around them is covered in snow. Yeah. Um. And the snowman is about a detective. Mm-hmm. Is he a detective? I believe so, yes. A detective played by Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. Harry Hole. His name is Harry Hole. Yes. Which you find out, you know, you have the flashback, uh, sort of like, I you know, that wouldn't be mise-en-scene. But, you know, you start off with this flashback, you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then you cut to the present. Michael Fassbender's walking around. He walks up to this woman. First thing she says Harry Hole. Harry Hole, is that you? You're a legend. A legendary detective. Um, you know, just some exposition. And then she's like, goodbye. Goodbye. Everyone in this movie is very, like, buttoned up, is what I imagine mm-hmm. um, being cold all the time makes you very buttoned yeah, up. Yeah, literally. Um, but what this movie became known for is that it's very confusing not on purpose Mm -hmm. and then they said after it came out and flopped that it was confusing because they had run out of money and not shot 40 percent of the script which is a crazy thing for someone to say (laughs) about a movie that Mm -hmm. already came out yeah with a big budget clearly and some a-list it was supposed to be A-list, you can tell. Yeah, like Martin Scorsese produced it. I think he was originally attached to direct. Yeah, these books were very popular in wherever they are from. And <laughs> one of the things we kept hearing about Harry Hole was like, Hole is a very common last name. Mm-hmm. It's as common as Smith. Everybody's last name is Hole. Um, but also his name is Harry Hole, which we were saying is like, sounds, oh, what oh. is that sound? Hold on. edit this part out or don't leave it in yeah do it raw. that was the sound of the speaker from the snowman uh buzzing mm-hmm. because it heard us talking about yeah. it um impudently um so the snowman is a movie that was clearly supposed to be like an oscar movie mm-hmm. it like thought it was an oscar movie as you said it had like scorsese involved it had michael fassbender coming off of like a string of like Michael Fassbender is the greatest actor in the world uh, stuff. Yeah. You know, or he was being positioned as like our great new lead actor. Um, yeah, the cinematography's great. Like the guy who did it did Collateral as well. Yeah, the guy who shot it shot Collateral. It's edited by Thelma Schoonmaker, right? There are two editors, <laughs> and they aren't co editors. So that's a whole other question i would really love a oral history of this movie yeah it's very because again it's like it's a failure but it's an interesting failure yeah and that's what makes for a good bad movie Mm -hmm. in our opinions yes Uh, um yeah it's interesting that they just outright came out and were like yeah we didn't shoot like this amount of the script because i find a lot of times like maybe five years after a film doesn't do well like someone will try to wash their hands of it and just be like this didn't go well but yeah, they just immediately... They like, blame it on something. They're like, it can't be because the movie was bad and nobody liked it. Mm-hmm. Or it was poorly executed. Or the plot made no sense. Or like nobody was interest- like likable mm-hmm. or charming in it. Because they're all so, so repressed. But not in the fun British way. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like very curt with each other and like oh the best one of the best parts of the so the thing about this movie is that it's hilarious and it doesn't yeah. know it is hilarious mm-hmm. it is unintentionally one of the funniest movies ever made um and all the more so for the fact that it's very serious yeah um like the difference between this movie and girl the dragon tattoo which like i thought was not like a perfect movie by any means and like i'm a big david fincher 
fan girl but that's like definitely not my favorite movie uh of his but again it's like it cut the seriousness with like some humor sometimes Mm -hmm. you know there were like moments of levity the snowman is like deadly serious all the way through well there is that one part where the guy is dancing to popcorn (laughs) that part's hilarious but i don't think i think it's supposed to be scary that's what i'm saying like one of the kills occurs to the to the I think it also had a Johnny Greenwood score that was like abandoned, right? We heard. Not sure. There was like a serious score that was abandoned and replaced with uh, the music cue of the song "Popcorn," which we will sing for you now. I love that song. Yeah. Um, I had to learn a dance to that song in elementary school. Oh wow! And I remember it still and we'll do it for you later it is the best it's just you like turn in every direction <laughs> so I, were you dancing like the killer no i got up and was like i like i heard the song and i was like oh i have to see if i remember the dance and mm-hmm. i do because it's very yeah. very simple and then michael fassbender <laughs> yelled at you get out <laughs> um so one of the things that happens in the snowman is that a snowman appears before somebody gets murdered mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. So they will show, they will cut to the snowman either before or after somebody gets murdered. The murderer leaves a snowman at the scene of each crime, as which is also like brings up a lot of logistical questions of... Like, does he hide, like, crouch behind a bush and he's like crafting the snowman? And then like, what if the person he's trying to kill leaves yeah. before he's done making the snowman? He's like, fuck. Yeah, we were saying, like, what, like, how much time does he devote to making the snowman? Mm -hmm. You know, isn't he afraid of getting caught? Doesn't, does he make, that's the thrill for him. It's not the killing, but the making the snowman afterwards (laughs) to alert people that someone's been killed. So, at one point, spoiler alert, there's, like, a snowman with a human head on it. Mm -hmm. That's the best attempt at horror in the movie, but it also made me laugh so hard. Mm -hmm. Um... And one of the other great things about this movie is that Chloe Sevigny is in it playing twins. Amazing. Um, and just a, a warm-up for her role as Lizzie Borden, mm-hmm. I imagine. She, uh, she plays a character who gets killed and then reappears and you find out it's her identical twin sister. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point in the film, there are so many other confusing things that happen that you just accept it. You're like, yeah, sure. It's yeah. One of, like, one, it's one of those things where you're like, this might make sense in a novel, but it seems like very silly in a movie. Or, like, in a novel, maybe you would buy it more or just be like, sure, sure, like, a hundred pages on these twin sisters, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll I'll read it. But when the sister reappears, you're like, oh, they really didn't, uh, there's no reason for this. It's not, but then you just get to see her get killed again. (laughs) It's like, oh, they kill the other one, too, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And Chloe Sevigny is great in any role where she gets to wear, like, the most clothing. Yeah. You know? Like just really long, like puff sleeves or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you can you can tell she relishes playing like, like a farm a farm lady. Yeah, like a, like a weird. Like, I haven't talked to anyone in over two years. There's a scene just of her like chopping wood. Yeah. <laughs> That's meant to convey suspense or, or you know, tension. But mm-hmm. it's just you're like, ooh, I'd like to see the movie about Chloe Sevigny's character where she's just like a lady who chops wood out in the ice the chopper the chopper i thought she might be the snowman the snowman's not the name of the killer but that yeah. is what you want to call him the yeah. killer and that's what we're gonna call him. spoiler alert is like nobody that you care about if yeah. i remember correctly it's like very random and out of nowhere and mm-hmm. doesn't matter and the movie makes no sense because it sets up a larger conspiracy kind of a Chinatown type conspiracy of it goes all the way to the top and then just totally abandons it. Right. Like there's kind of a plot that has to do with corruption related to the Olympics, but yeah, there's a plot. It's dropped. Somebody, people kept telling me to watch this movie, not only because it's, it's was on HBO go and I wanted to, (laughs) (laughs) but also because it has a plot about Olympic corruption, which is something I also know a lot about now um and anybody who's interested in olympic corruption which is what the olympics are should check out nolympicsla.com we just launched a podcast series about why the olympics are bad and all the different aspects of how bad they are i'm in the episode about fascism 
talking about how the torch relay was invented by the Nazis as a symbol of their power. Um, so check that out. Yeah. But yeah, there's a plot where it is, it's J.K. Simmons mm-hmm. is a businessman, a rich businessman who has some kind of shady shit going on. It's Norway, right? Yeah. And then like, aren't like sex workers are being murdered? I don't even remember why. It's very vague. Yeah, it's just like, let's just throw in another trope of this sort of stuff. Well, that's the thing, is it never connects. And I was like, but it doesn't, like, never connect in, like, a Zodiac way where it's purposeful that it's, like, about all the dead ends, you Mm -hmm. know? Which is the best movie. Um, But instead, it just kind of makes you feel insane. Because you're like, wait... They never went back to that J.K. Simmons plot about how he is getting Norway to host the Winter Olympics as because he's like a terrible, corrupt person. Yeah. Like everybody that wants to host the Olympics. Yeah, the experience of watching The Snowman is like watching a regular movie and like you nod off at some point, so you miss some plot points and you're trying to string it together. But in this film, you don't fall asleep. You're awake the whole time. It and is, you start questioning reality. It's like an ASMR video, though. <laughs> it's, like, also very relaxing. We were just watching it now and mm-hmm. sort of just zoning out. It's yeah. very, like, everybody talks very, very monotonely mm-hmm. and repress, repressedly. Yeah. And then the snowman scares are like just like a zoom in on a snowman yeah you just see a snowman peeking <laughs> up from a head like, hello and they never the thing from the poster is never in the movie nobody ever gets a letter that says mr policeman i gave you all the clues wait right i'm gonna pull out my phone because i did get a like when i was watching it hold on like, maybe that was one of the 40 pages they cut was the part where Michael Fassbender receives a letter from the killer that says, Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues, snowman. Somebody, there's also, like, one kill where they're... Oh, uh, wait, yeah. Oh. But I built her up, and then it, like, pans down to oh, the but snowman. They, right. Oh, you're right. He does write one letter. Oh, you <laughs> saved the best part. I'll post this part. Right. By the time I'm watching Mommy and like by the time you see this, I will have built her a pan down snowman. Yeah. But the but the iconic I gave you all the clues is yeah. never never in it. I don't know if it's in the book. Um, it must be. It's but... definitely in my heart. <laughs> Um, what are your feelings about Michael Fassbender? I'm kind of indifferent towards him, and I remember reading some gossip stories about how he was maybe not the best person. Yeah, he was accused of abuse by an ex-girlfriend, so yeah. I don't like him. Um, but I never, I never, like, I feel like when he was being pushed really hard, it was like, you know, he's a man. He's a leading man. Like, right, like uh, Shame came in out. Shame, like, I watched Shame, obviously. Mm-hmm. I watched parts of shame (laughs) uh i like physically can't be attracted to him because he's a ginger and uh so am i and my brother is a redhead as well Mm -hmm. so i i like can understand that he's attractive but like personally i cannot i cannot do it um but i'm glad that like male gingers are having like a time yeah, like, uh, they're General Hawks from Star Wars. Ooh, I don't even know about that. Oh. He's Star Wars? The Wars? The Wars. Oh, is he the redhead guy that's in everything now that I yeah, like? Yeah, like, he was in uh, The Little Stranger, which I was, like, one of probably ten people who saw that in theaters. Not trying to brag. Wow, who yes. is this guy? I don't actually uh... know if I know. Is he play, like, a, like... Is he a bad guy in the Star Wars universe? Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, look Dom, at that Dom Hall Gleason. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. He's also in a Black Mirror that's really good. Um, wait, but so he's a bad guy in Star Wars? Sorry yeah. for not knowing this. And he was also in. Well, I, I mean, think, look at that outfit. Like, that's yeah, fascism. Yeah, yeah, that's fascism. Yeah. Just it's, like looking. It's weird that people misinterpret Star Wars. As they do. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, just that, like, there has been... We talked about this on another podcast of mine, I think, uh, with Andrew T. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
just that like the alt-right like wants to have star wars because they're like dudes but they like can't deal with you know i'm sure just that they're like pro death star people pro you know yeah like the way that any like villain in a movie that there's like a faction of people it's like they're misunderstood Mm -hmm. the snowman is a misunderstood character (laughs) um he's the snowman not the killer the killer the killer so the reveal is like it's like they're mad because they're there's this parallel situation where people's moms were had like a married lover who like wouldn't claim them mm-hmm. and that's the motivation for the crime but like none of this is decipherable yeah and not in the way because like i'm actually one of those people who like in a in a film noir i don't care so much about how it adds up i'm just like along for the ride mm-hmm. you know like i like in a movie when it like goes on weird detours that like end up having nothing to do with like what you know like yeah it's like a you know the classic 70s like ending that has, yeah no real conclusion like Bustin, <laughs> our we, favorite movie. We love Bustin. Yeah, Bustin uh, stars Robert Blake mm-hmm. and Elliot Gould. Uh, talk about your bad person, Robert Blake. But uh, what a film! Elliot Gould with a really great mustache and like wearing a Baja the whole time. I feel mm-hmm. like just like mm-hmm. a really a really strong Elliot Gould buddy cop, weird LA early 70s yeah just great about movie. like corruption and the corruption, police department and kinda, how you I, can't change it you can't change it, it ends it ends with a weird downer ending yeah spoiler alert there's also like some weird i feel like it was probably homophobic stuff in a gay bar but it's also really amazing because it's like a time capsule of an la gay bar mm-hmm. in the 70s like i was like ooh, like cruising but like in la yeah um the movie cruising uh that we also like mm-hmm. gay bar noir is also a genre, I guess. (laughs) A genre of two, at least. (laughs) Um, Speaking of New York... Greatest fucking city. The greatest fucking city in the world. Fucking love it. Fucking New York. Now you're in New York. Fucking a pizza pie. Sarah, (laughs) Sarah and I have a thing where we like to send each other Empire State of Mind all the time because we think it's the funniest song (laughs) in the world. And it's sort of like gaudy, which we're going to talk about now, mm-hmm. sort of is the empire state of mind of movies. Yeah. It's like a thing that looks and sounds and feels like a thing, <laughs> but like isn't very good at being that thing, actually. It's like, I'm an anthem. And you're like, are you? <laughs> or are you just trying really hard to be and forcing it? Mm-hmm. Um, so gaudy really like forced this thing this thing that it was like a bad movie you had to see right i remember the marketing campaign they were like the critics put out the hit which you know of course when you advertise your film like that you're like well i gotta see it now because that is fucking stupid the critics put out the hit because critics have so much power (laughs) (laughs) there are so many of them Mm -hmm. left to imagine like the godfather with like a cgi like uh roger ebert just send in a horse's head <laughs> to the cast and crew it's just like <laughs> chopping up people <laughs> uh with that image yeah <laughs> Gotti stars john travolta as Gotti. It is Kevin Connolly from Entourage's directorial debut. Not no, debut. Not he did debut. A, like, yeah, he did a road film about the two women who were, like, trying to... Like, meet Roosevelt? Yeah. He made his previous movie was, like, a, a girl's coming-of-age story, which is, you know, less what you would expect mm-hmm. from Kevin Connolly from Entourage. Yeah. Then you would expect Gotti. Um, I watched Gotti illegally mm-hmm. just as Gotti himself would want me to yeah. oh yeah we were gonna see it in theaters we were gonna see it in theaters and then we were both like you know what movies are expensive and this is a movie I don't feel bad about streaming from a bootleg website that'll probably infect my computer with viruses because because it's fucking Gotti it's fucking New York yeah fucking crime fucking crime fucking everything you've ever seen in a Scorsese movie just kind of done really shoddily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, uh, 
some slow mo, mm-hmm. some uh, some voiceover. Yeah, I mean the the monologues are like uh, pretty fun to read in parts, mm-hmm. you know, to listen to because it's just Travolta grandstanding. I mean, the thing about Gotti is like it's not as enjoyably bad as the snowman yeah and it's like yeah as a b movie yeah succeeds Gotti succeeds as a b movie that's just like a b movie um the best parts are travolta's real wife kelly preston playing Gotti's wife and doing like a lorraine brocco in goodfellas but like very poorly Mm -hmm. just being like what do you what am i gonna raise these kids (laughs) i'm gonna raise these kids with you in jail going to jail now <laughs> it is um it's all very broad and mm-hmm. there's like so who else is in it there's some weird things in it is ray romano in it for a second maybe Probably. there's just like it is you know it again it's like i was really like this movie's better than i expected yeah just because everybody was like you know seeing it as a joke and being mm-hmm. like this movie's so bad you gotta see it and i was like this movie's kind of like any rise and fall movie that i would watch on cable yeah it is um it's you know it's like blow but stupider i mean blow is pretty stupid (laughs) (laughs) i talk about blow all the time because i just thought for the first time that was the movie that inspired the college dorm canon episode of molly sleazy friends because my brother couldn't believe i hadn't seen blow he was like nobody ever just like made you watch that in a dorm that's such a dorm movie and then we started talking about the dorm canon mm-hmm. uh but yeah. i remember at the time everybody being like so stoked on that movie because it was like when johnny depp was still people were still like oh johnny depp he makes such interesting choice it was right before pirates of the caribbean so right it was like, so it's like oh he's a good actor and right. then he was like i'm jack sparrow for the rest of my well, life it also just turned out that like what people thought was a good actor was just that he like liked to wear wigs a lot mm-hmm. you know which is a thing people confuse for good acting yeah. he was just like doing a silly voice and wearing a different wig in every movie mm-hmm. and he only has like a couple of silly voices but blow is kind of like blow is another like bloated uh enjoyable stupid movie you'd watch on cable yeah like, it has its moments, but it's pretty goddamn depressing, actually, <laughs> for many reasons. <laughs> Unlike Gotti, which is an uplifting tale. Gotti is an uplifting tale about the American dream, which mm-hmm. is crime. Yeah. Getting one over on the man. There's actually a scene where they yell at the cops that I was like, yeah, fucking fuck them. Yeah. Oh, man, that, uh... That scene with that, like, rap about Gotti. Oh, that is the most amazing part. The craziest part of this movie that makes it into, like, an experimental film is that it's, like, period until there's a scene where they just play an entire rap song about Gotti. Mm -hmm. Sarah will do it for you now. I don't remember it. Because I looped it. I think you just started doing it. It was like, yo, his name is Gotti. Straight Illuminati. (laughs) Which... It's weird because I know like Pitbull did a song for that film, right? But I don't think he was oh, on that song. Oh, the Pitbull song is in like the fake Copacabana scene mm-hmm. where they do the fake uh, Goodfellas going through the back door at the club scene mm-hmm. and they go to the club. I mean, that's the thing is like there's something about a movie that hits all those beats of a mob movie. Yeah, it's like fan fiction. It is like Scorsese fan fiction, but there's like a lot of movies that are like Scorsese fan fiction. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, the whole wave of Pulp Fiction fan fiction. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite fake Pulp Fiction? Well, I was telling some people this. Um, when I watched the show Barry, at first I thought that was going to be like Pulp Fiction or Two Days in the Valley style. And I actually didn't watch it for the longest time because I was like, Ugh. and I watched it. It was actually good. Oh, yeah. Barry's great. Yeah. Wait, did you think Barry was going to have multiple narratives? <laughs> You know, maybe. That's so I, weird. Why did you think that? <laughs> you were like... It's, well, it seemed like the sort of meta thing where it was like, it's about crime, but it's also about acting. So uh, it wasn't really multiple narratives. I think it was just more, you know, like that sort of like anything that has to do with a hitman. I'm it's like, kind of oh. like, it's more in like the Jackie Brown universe. Yeah. I feel like it is kind of in, I mean, I like the LA weirdo universe, obviously, where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, a bunch of weird people at an acting class. Yeah. Um, but definitely the sort of crime, 
Like, it's funny, too, because with that show, I feel like everybody's like, yo, I'm so much more interested in the acting stuff than the crime, and I'm, like, the person that's like, I like the crime. No, the crime's great. I prefer the crime. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer the no-ho Hank part. Yeah, he is so good. I think it's just because I've taken acting classes mm-hmm. in, like, high school, and oh. I, like, I, that just makes me so embarrassed to see people doing, like, acting exercises. Yeah. You know? I was about to say I've never taken an acting class because I took an improv class and I hated it. But I did take an acting class in college because it was a requirement for the program I was in. It was uh, acting for writers. <laughs> so, of course, all of us were so bad at acting. It's just really <laughs> awkward. No, it's the, the stuff about acting, the, like, the the warm-ups and stuff that's the stuff that i i can't yeah i can't hack i'm too too self-conscious can't make silly faces no and like i was saying like about a star is born because there's a part in a star is born where they kind of do do this but i was like just i was like i bet they just did the mirror exercise for like a whole year (laughs) you know just I just pictured like Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper just like staring into each other's eyes like mirroring each other's Mm -hmm. gestures and being like we will become as one yeah something interesting I found out is that there's a lot of crossover with acting exercises and Scientology exercises like uh I don't remember the terms for it, but there is one Scientology exercise where you have to, like, make intense eye contact with someone. Oh, that explains a lot. Well, yeah. Scientologists, a lot of them are really good actors, yeah. including John Travolta. Yeah. No, when I found that out. Back. Yeah. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense why there's, like, that deep connection between Right. Because I was always like, why are they such good actors? And I was like, it's because they don't do, like, method acting. It's mm-hmm. about, like, don't draw on your experiences. Just, like, be in the moment. But yeah. Basically, just condensing it down to, like, stare at people in the eyes. Like, that's most of acting. Yeah. So, like, the exercise is staring people in the eyes. And then there's another level. I think it's called bull baiting, where the person will, like, then try to make you break, essentially. I think I'm just freaked out by all kind of, like, behavioral experiments like that. Anything where you're, like, going into a sort of, like, social conditioning, like... Mm -hmm. Let's break down the walls yeah. of, of personality. I'm always like, mm, what are we going to do after that, though? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, once we've broken the walls down, then you're just, like, all all inside. Yeah. Can do anything. Yeah. Am I going to murder someone? Can do anything around in there. <laughs> Get in. <laughs> um, ooh, gotty. Ooh, gotty. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, Gotti, when Gotti runs out of steam, there's just an entire rap song about Gotti in it. It kind of feels like even Kevin Connolly was like, I don't know where I want this movie to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that was something that came up like while they're editing the film and they were like, hmm. Or if it was something that he thought of while writing the script, <laughs> which I do remember like multiple people mentioning how like Gotti seemed like the sort of film that Christopher Moltisanti would have written. Oh, like in the Sopranos when he's writing. Uh, it is. is the, it's totally the movie that Christopher Moltisanti like after he makes Cleaver and then he's like, my next movie is gonna be a prestige project because mm-hmm. he's alive in this universe. Yeah, he. <laughs> this is like the split universe where you're like Cleaver is a big success yeah. and he becomes a director. He moves out of Jersey. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm sad thinking about. Christopher. Oh, I love, love the fucking departed soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Shipping off to Boston. Ooh. I mean, the departed is like, that's a movie. Fuck that movie. Yeah, I like a lot of things about it, but mm-hmm. you know, like, for example, that Matt Damon is the bad guy, because I only like yeah. Matt Damon as a bad guy, because he's a bad guy. Um, he's just an annoying guy but mm-hmm. annoying in a way that's bad, uh, as we all now know. But that movie was, no one would say it was widely overrated, but it, like, it won a bunch of awards for Scorsese that were like for some other stuff he'd done, kind of, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I was in high school when that film came out, and I do remember, it seemed like people were really excited about that one scene, like the love scene where they use a live version of Wish You Were Here. I 
don't remember yeah. anyone being excited about that. I remember hearing but, about it. Maybe because I was, you know, you were in, in high, high school, school and people surrounded were, by horny teens. People were stoked about Pink having yeah. sex to Pink Floyd. Yeah, probably. I love um, that, like, teenagers are still excited about uh, having sex to Pink Floyd. I love that, like, the laser light shows, like, the bands never change. Yeah. Because it's like, well, there's always some, like, 15-year-old smoking pot for the first time yeah. and hearing Led Zeppelin and being like, mm-hmm. wow, I'm cool now. Yeah, I remember getting a Led Zeppelin one on vinyl at Half Price Books in Texas, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Hey, Sarah, why don't you tell the Molly Sleazy Friends public about what kind of music from Texas you hate the most? Oh. <laughs> I fucking hate Stevie Ray Vaughan <laughs> so much. Um so I'm from this uh, neighborhood in tech in Dallas called Oak Cliff, and you know we have some notable people who came from there. Erica Badu, great. wow, yeah, no, so cool. But also Stevie Ray Vaughan. So growing up, I would hear him all the fucking time. Like you know, you'd be listening to your like classic rock station, and then they would do a rock block, so they would play like two or three Stevie Ray Vaughan songs. This shit is so corny, and like you would go to Guitar Center. You see this giant poster of Stevie Ray Vaughan making like a gross guitar face. And it's like, objectively, he's a good guitarist and music is probably good, but I just fucking hate him so much. You just hate Texas bar blues, would you say? Maybe, yeah. How do you feel about ZZ Top? I like ZZ Top. Okay, so you don't hate Texas bar blues. Yeah, no, ZZ Top is great. I just hate Stevie Ray Vaughan so much. (laughs) I remember when I was at the Hard Rock uh, casino for AVN mm-hmm. there was like a giant Stevie Ray Vaughan Fuck. guitar or something and I like sent you a picture of it and you were like fuck Stevie Ray Vaughan yeah. <laughs> I was like I love your strong feelings about this yeah because I don't think anyone else in the world feels this way like either they love them or they're indifferent well there's music that you grow up around that you hate because you like associate it with like the stifling feeling of being like a, a child and teenager yeah. who like is in their hometown yeah And then sometimes you come to love it. Like, I always say that for me, there's like, just like, I'm at the point where like any music that I've ever heard in my life makes me nostalgic, you Mm -hmm. know? So even music I didn't like from the 90s, I'm just like, oh, the 90s. So especially like Sublime is the big one. Oh, yeah. That I always hated, Mm -hmm. but like have come to find just like funny and you know, sort of like, well, it's better than some other stuff. Yeah, same here. <laughs> At least it's politically aware for its time. Like, like if I hear Santeria, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's chill. It's aged weirdly well, but I just yeah. have like an absurdly high tolerance for like pop punk mm-hmm. and ska and anything sort of like Cal- Southern Californian e. Although then I was in Orange County not that long ago, and I was like, this is my my breaking point. My tolerance is mm-hmm. over. <laughs> This is too much SoCal for me. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, I need it to be a little a little less this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like pop punk. Um, and then, like, you know, I'm, of course, fascinated by new metal. Yeah, Which was something I didn't really <laughs> listen to growing up. But it's just a really funny genre that's filled with all sorts of teen angst over nothing. Yeah, I keep saying that SoundCloud rap is the new new metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, totally. Like, there's, you know, like, Little Peep, it seemed yeah. like, was, you know... They're all, like, sad, sad guys that are sad because, like, their parents don't pay attention to them or got divorced or something, which is, like, what new Metal was. Mm-hmm. It was, like, suburban kids, like, our parents don't care about us, so we're just gonna, like, have a band practice and, like, yeah. scream about our feelings. Yeah. But, like, yeah, SoundCloud rap is all about, like wanting to kill yourself because your girlfriend dumped you which is so new metal mm-hmm. you know like it's just one of those days when you don't want to wake up right everything it's, is fucked everything like sucks depression rap it's yeah. like sad bedroom rap mm-hmm. uh and that's kind of what new metal was also like and just that like it's made by like teens for teens mm-hmm. and then adults hate it yeah um Including me, kind of. That's how I feel about SoundCloud rap. Mainly, but not all of it, Mm because it's like, that's just how a lot of people get famous now. But the sort of like the most emo version of it is not, it's not for me. Yeah. But it's just, it is not for me. I wonder what the next SoundCloud is, because I'm sure there's some platform that like, it's a super secret teen thing that we don't know about. Somebody will invent something. Mm -hmm. The teens will start telecommuting. 
telecommuting? No. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to their not, jobs. To their jobs. Their jobs at the content That's factory. Not what I meant. Um, speaking of telecommuting to your job at the content factory, mm-hmm. um, that's not going to be the best segue, <laughs> but... To what, Ishtar? Yeah, just in this sure, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Speaking of Sarah and I being a couple of washed-up vaudevillians, <laughs> taking it taking it on the road, mm-hmm. um, Ishtar is Elaine May's movie starring mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty as a couple of washed-up vaudevillians taking it on the road. Yeah. Um, and, and it's sort of similar to The Snowman in that on paper, you know, to a studio, they're like, this is a guaranteed hit. This can be great. You know, in this case, not necessarily Oscar-winning, but lucrative. Yeah, studio was like two big stars, Elaine May, f- famous funny lady, mm-hmm. let's make this big. And, like, I think she pitched it as, like, a, a Bob Hope and Bing Crosby road movie mm-hmm. which for some reason people are always like let's update that yeah um but it uh does not go that well mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like not as bad as everybody said which yeah. is what we have always said it is it is fine yeah which i hadn't seen it for years and i've been staying away from it partially because of its reputation and then there was a screening of it about a year ago in San Francisco that I went to. And, um, you know, like 20 minutes in, I was like, this movie is hilarious. Yeah, the first act is great. The yeah. second act, like when they get to the desert. Yeah. When they leave New York. When they leave like, New York, mm. it becomes a, a not a good movie anymore. Yeah. But it's not the worst movie ever made by yeah. any by any stretch of the imagination. And there were, like, so many other worse movies made in that era that it's crazy it became the one that people referred to as, like, the worst movie of all time because there are infinitely worse movies all around it, and Mm -hmm. it has some likable things about it. Um, It was probably, I think, also a mess to make, and you can sense that Mm -hmm. in watching it because it feels like a mess. Yeah, and I'm sure, like... Once it came out, the studio probably wanted to distance themselves. And yeah. That's probably how the reputation was born of it being one of the worst films ever made. Well, I think also they wanted to blame, as we were saying, like when a movie bombs, somebody has to get blamed mm-hmm. other than that the movie was bad or people didn't like it. And so Elaine May got blamed and she got put in director jail forever which is crazy because she's the best and that wouldn't have happened if she was a dude, obviously. Mm-hmm. So the reason people hate Ishtar is also sexist. Yeah. And one of the reasons why they didn't give women big budget movies for a long time after that is because they were like, well, look at what happened this mm-hmm. one time we did. Mm-hmm. These um, crazy broads. I think Beatty also fucked her. Mm-hmm. Probably both styles okay i was wondering metaphorically like, hmm. but also who you know yeah who knows who wouldn't have in that point yeah but um because he was the person who like got her the project he oh. like did his thing where he would go into a studio chief and like get on his knees which he like does in shampoo and it's mm-hmm. really funny in shampoo because the point is that it's like an empty gesture that he like always pulls out as this big dramatic like please you've got to like I'm begging you. I'm mm-hmm. on my knees. Look at this. Yeah. Like, would do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how he got someone to make, to let Elaine May direct Ishtar. He was like, we've got to give chances to, like, this this woman. Like, we got to, you know, I'm, I'm supporting women, helping mm-hmm. this woman make a movie. And then he insisted his girlfriend get cast. Mm-hmm. And she was, like, pissed about it because the girlfriend, like, couldn't act or, you know, it just made the dynamic weird. Mm-hmm. Um who is the girlfriend? She's the girl in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think Elaine May hated her mm-hmm. and like iced her out the whole production. Mm-hmm. So apparently just like the shooting was like a nightmare also for many reasons. Yeah. Um, and as we all know from every account of Dustin Hoffman on a set, he seems like the biggest nightmare mm-hmm. slash liability um for making a, a set shitty to work on yeah um so it must kind of seems like he's a chevy chase of drama maybe yeah. <laughs> um i'd say he would say he's the chevy chase of drama d but all oh, right <laughs> <laughs> um i also hate tootsie tootsie is a movie i do not understand why anyone likes it like i like terry gar i like 
things about I like other people that are in it, but it's just like I've never understood that movie. Just like goes goes all the way over my head mm-hmm. as as a cultural artifact. I missed it, and it's never coming back. Yeah, <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Um, just seems like a, you know one of those pretty in pink sort of films. Well, I'm not gonna cape for pretty in pink, but pretty pretty in pink is good. For some reason, that was just like what came to my head of like a <laughs> film that. A comedy that is of its time. Have you seen Pretty in Pink? Yeah. I mean, I like that one OMD song. <laughs> uh, 16 Candles is the one that has an age well because it's uh, racist mm-hmm. and involves like uh, rape culture creepy stuff. Yeah. I um, just don't really like all those 80s comedies. And boy, now that we're all like reevaluating it, boy, can come out of the closet. 16, I would say Pretty in Pink is the least problematic Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say because but i mean it's problematic in other ways it's about i always like i i never saw it because i never watched any of those movies because my name was molly and everybody was always like molly ringwald Mm -hmm. and so i would like consciously put distance between myself and molly ringwald you know so um i didn't see pretty in pink until like i was in college and then i was like oh this movie is about me in high school (laughs) because it's all about how she's like the girl from the wrong side of the tracks and mm-hmm. like she like dates this yuppie guy she picks the yuppie that's what's subversive about it uh, and i always thought it was cool because i was like it's the only teen movie where the girl picks the hot guy over her friend the nice guy friend you know yeah oh what's that film by isn't it an israeli filmmaker oh the last american virgin yeah there's a couple of like downer ending teen movies that i mm-hmm. like and yeah. that's one of them and pretty in pink i was always like I don't know. It's like, that's the whole thing. It's like, it's, it's, she picks Blaine, the yuppie Mm -hmm. over Ducky, her like new wave friend. And I was always like, good for her. Like date the hot rich guy. Who cares? You're eight, you're 17 and you're going to go to college anyway in a minute. Like also you've made it clear the entire movie that like you have no interest in Ducky. And then Molly Ringwald said recently that she was like, in my mind, I think Ducky was like gay. Mm -hmm. That was like what I always thought. But it was supposed to be Robert Downey Jr. originally. So, like, if it had been Robert Downey Jr., it could have, might have been a whole different movie because yeah. they reshot the ending because she did end up with Ducky and everybody was like, fuck this. <laughs> Letter date Blaine. It's the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that movie, I feel like, yeah, it's aged pretty well. But, like, one thing I've said is that all these movies that I thought were shot in the Midwest. I like found out not that long ago. We're just all shot in LA, mm-hmm. you know? So like, especially those movies, I was like, that's what Illinois looks like. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause, uh, my, uh, my grandparents would always make me watch this kid show. It's Christian kids show called McGee and me that I only met one other person ever who's seen it. And it's supposed to take place in Illinois shot in LA, <laughs> which is even funnier for something that's so about like, great values and morals and whatnot like there's this house that i was watching it and i was like that looks really familiar and i realized it was the brothel from Mad Men. that house is in angelino heights yeah (laughs) right because it's like a house that's just in a lot of things and sometimes Mm -hmm. when you see a location like that you're just like you recognize it as a thing you've seen in other things yeah activate some weird subconscious part Mm -hmm. of you because that makes you feel weird yeah um when you saw the house in person, did it make you feel weird about, did it make you have a weird nostalgia for watching the show? I actually didn't make the connection until I was rewatching the show like a few weeks ago. Oh. Um, it's this really great episode I'd recommend watching called The Not So Great Escape. It's about this kid who decides to sneak off and see this horror film called The Night of the Blood Freaks. And his parents are like, don't do it. And he's like, I'm going to do it. So he goes with his little animated buddy, he watches it, he's disgusted, he leaves the film like halfway through, and he walks home, and there's this montage, and there's this guy singing over it, and there's a lyric, if you put it in your mind, it's gonna stay right next to your heart. (laughs) And then he goes home, and he has a lecture from his parents, and his parents essentially are like, you're fucked for life, you can't unsee the things you've seen. Wow. Yeah, it's really intense. Growing up Christian sounds like 
a trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was just at my grandparents' house I watched it. I grew up going to Episcopal church slash not going to church, really. So, But still, just yeah. even having somebody, like, as an impressionable child, yeah. someone just being like, if you put it in your mind, it's in your heart eye forever. Yeah. More disturbing than the snowman. Yeah. By far. Mm-hmm. Scarier. Yeah, no, I would definitely recommend watching that as part of your October, like, one horror film day sort of thing, <laughs> but just watch that episode over and over again. <laughs> watching anything you watched as a child, as an adult, definitely unlocks the portal between the worlds. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I like to watch, like, the Garfield Halloween special to get that feeling. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like... I'm a baby. <laughs> I'm a baby who likes to watch 80s cartoons. Whoops. Whoops. Maybe I am Gen X if I yeah, maybe. watch cartoons in my youth. No, because it's not Schoolhouse Rock. That's oh, yeah. the, the most Gen X. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite bad movie to watch, Sarah? Oh. Ooh. What movie do you think has an undeserved reputation as bad that is good? I mean, I would say Ishtar. We just talked about it. Right. Like, that one just makes me mad now that I've seen it because the first act, it's funnier than most studio films that have come out in the last 10 years. Except Step Brothers. Brothers (laughs) This is amazing. It kind of is like Step Brothers. Ooh. (laughs) Step Brothers remake of Ishtar. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in. Nice. Um... Shoot, now I'm blanking. What movie do you think people think is good that is actually bad? You were talking about Blow Up earlier. Oh, yeah. Fuck that movie. I liked that argument. Yeah. I was saying I have a soft spot for any kind of like swing in London movie. Yeah. That one less than than most of them. And you were saying you were like, it's the opposite of like British Kitchen Sink. It's just like. Yeah. And I just associate with the worst people being like, oh, I love Blow Up. Right. Because it's a fashion movie about fashion yeah and when you're in film school you know you go into someone's dorm and that's their version of a dorm uh, movie i love antonio we've talked about sort of our like our our mutual not distaste for antonioni but like less than other people perhaps Mm -hmm. um yeah fuck blow up (laughs) you know that's how i feel about the graduate that's my yeah my fuck my fuck that movie movie well the thing about blow up is that people usually defend it or like couch in this thing of like well, you know, it's about, like, scopophilia and, like, you know, being... You're like, yeah, bitch, I saw the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, they'll talk about how, like, yeah, it's about, like, you know, being a cinema viewer and, like, you know, really try to get deep with it. And it's like, yeah, the film Peeping Tom is so much better at that um, by Michael Powell. Really good. Dunking on film school nerds with this knowledge. Yeah, 1960 first slasher film, perhaps. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah, it's so good. Um, And better than Blow Up. Yeah. Respect. I saw this movie called Deep End. Not The Deep End, but just Deep End at The Egyptian a million years ago. That was like a weird, maybe like a Polish guy directed it, but Mm -hmm. it was like set in England and it's all about like a young guy who gets obsessed with like this this like sexy woman down the street mm-hmm. but it was the greatest movie and the soundtrack is entirely by can and cat stevens whoa um what year is it from like 69 or something i'll look up mm-hmm. i'll look it up it's really weird i'd never heard of it it's great mm-hmm. it's like a coming of age movie but it's very strange and i think the girl is jane asher who i love um and it's the soundtrack is all can and cat stevens and then when i saw inherent vice i was like (laughs) (laughs) i was like you must like that movie yeah and you know what inherent vice is like the rockford files oh yeah sarah's wearing her rockford files shirt today yeah represent your set you can see a photo of it on molly's instagram Instagram. um thanks everybody for listening to molly's sleazy friends if you like this podcast you can rate it and review it on iTunes and also uh, give me some some donations on my Patreon so I can keep making it. Yeah, otherwise and Gotti will come after you. Otherwise Gotti is going to break your kneecaps <laughs> in the fucking greatest city in the world. Because I'm fucking walking here. <laughs> We're making sandwiches over here. Egg pizza. Hey, eggplant. Hey, bagels. It's the water. Hey, sidewalks. Taxi. The Big Apple. Buildings. Skyscrapers. Skyscrapers. Concrete jungle where dreams will find you.
there's nothing 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 you can do this has been the asmr hour now you're in new york yeah you're in new york the rats are gonna get ya the rat king the rat king is coming the pizza rats pizza rat kings thanks for listening Friends Friends.